So in the, <coughs> in the first few moments of the sitting, take notice of how you're assuming your sitting posture. And let yourself settle into a natural stillness and a relaxed uprightness. Letting the full weight of your torso rest on your sitting bones. Letting your attention flow throughout the body, releasing any holding, tension, gripping. Taking notice of particularly around the shoulders, letting them relax the jaw, unclenching the jaw. Around the eyes and the forehead, letting your eyes relax behind their eyelids. And then check to see that there's a a restful balance in your posture where you're not holding yourself forward or back or, or just settled and alert. And taking a moment to acknowledge how the environment is experienced. Taking note of the temperature of the room, and taking note of the ambient sound of the room, or the sounds outside the room that you can hear. effortless it is to hear the vehicle passing by. Awareness is just that effortless. It requires just paying attention to the experience of this moment. How the environment's experienced, how the body's experienced. <coughs> in what is being known of mental activity. And as Kamala mentioned yesterday, you can choose a single object for your attention, like the posture or the rhythm of the in-breath and out-breath. 
and you can let your attention rest there, noticing this is the experience of in-breath, and this is the experience of the out-breath. We're not controlling the breath, we're not forcing it, we're just noticing how it's experienced. Or maybe you're familiar with just attending to the posture where you're just monitoring in an ongoing way what it feels like to sit. And when tension creeps into the body, releasing it, relaxing. In this way, we let the body remain relaxed or at ease, comfortable. And so too the mind. We want to let the mind relax, not putting any additional pressure or expectation or agenda on the practice of just being aware. We're not trying to create any special effects. We're not trying to keep anything away from the mind, but we're just checking to see that we have a willingness to experience this moment just as it is. Is there this attitude of open receptivity? As I mentioned, it can be a chosen object, or it can be any of the objects that Deborah mentioned last night. The full spectrum of physical, mental, emotional, cognitive processes, whatever calls your attention. It can be the breath and sounds and sensations within the body and thoughts and feelings and memories. The whole package, the one thing that's happening in this moment We don't need to scramble to keep up with everything that's happening. But just in a very relaxed, observant way, just noticing. This is the way it is in the body, in the environment, and in the mind. without preference for one experience over the other, without trying to get rid of anything, without trying to create anything. Just noticing that some of what we experience is pleasant, and some of what's experienced is unpleasant. That's the way it is. Can we accept that? Can we be at ease with that? 
Can we not place any demands and expectations on the present moment? If you find it helpful, or I should say, when you find it necessary and helpful, you can use a soft mental note, a label, to name your experience. Breathing in, out, or maybe feeling achy, numbness, tingling cool, or maybe thinking, planning, wondering, the soft mental note, the label, is a recognition of what is happening, what is being known. To the degree that we recognize what is being known in each moment, it supports the continuity of awareness. So if the mind is sluggish or dull, labeling or noting can help. But if the mind is alert and perceptive, let the labeling or the noting go. And just be present with what is being known in each moment. In this way, we don't put any tension into our effort of being aware. And neither does the mind condition a contraction and a holding and a tightness in the body. The body remains relaxed, open and receptive to whatever this moment brings, whatever appears. If you feel lost and drifty, spaced out, choose an object to attend to, like the breath or posture. If you feel alert and energized, then let your attention be open and receptive to whatever calls your attention. Recognize that. And be willing to move from one kind of practice to another, using a chosen object when helpful and necessary, and letting go of a chosen object when you're able to be with the changing flow of experience. Check to see that your attitude is one of being open and receptive, accepting that this is the way it is, checking for any reactivity in the mind of liking and disliking, picking and choosing, preferring. throughout the sitting, refresh your attention periodically, beginning again with this moment.
you have, <coughs> do you have any questions today? Yeah. Could you say something, please, about uh, clearly knowing and mindfulness? How they are different, same, and their relationship? Could I say something about clearly knowing and mindfulness? Same, different, or, or what's the relationship between them? Well, for the most part, let's assume that they're the same. The way we'll use clearly knowing and, and mindfulness here will be the same most of the time. Having said that, it's not always that way. Uh, but I spoke uh, in the instructions about labeling or using a soft mental note. That is a tool. It's a technique for strengthening perception. Perception is the capacity of the mind to recognize, oh, this is the in-breath, this is the out-breath, this is a sound, this is hearing, this is sensation. Sometimes we're sitting, to give an example, we're sitting and we clearly know, oh, this is the in-breath, do-do-do-do, this is the out-breath, do-do-do, oh, there's hearing a sound, yeah, oh, there's an ache in the body, there's a numbness in the leg, and, and we know that. Sometimes we're kind of in a little bit of a soup. We're kind of more or less mindful, kind of there, but if somebody asked you, what are you aware of, you wouldn't be able to say, not good enough. Okay, so the, if you recognize that that's what's happening, if you see, oh, I, I feel like I'm here, but what am I aware of? I don't really know what I'm aware of. Then I would say, use the noting, use the labeling as a way to, j briefly, you don't have to use it forever, but even just to use it for a few minutes to just start really naming what it is that, you're, that is being known, then that will help. There is another time in practice, not usually in the first few days of retreat, where when the samadhi or the continuity, the concentration gets so strong and so quick, the mindfulness is so quick, that you may not clearly distinguish what is being known. But that's a different experience. Yeah. So the question is, how, what's the best way or what is a good way to work with the categories of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral physical and mental phenomena? As Deborah mentioned last night, that's one of the four foundations. It's a pretty, um, it's an important foundation because it is because of the pleasantness or the unpleasantness when not noticed condition attachment and aversion. Pleasantness, if we're feeling pleasant and we don't recognize it, our deeply conditioned habit is for some form of attachment or indulgence or to, to be conditioned. Or when something is unpleasant and we're not quite recognizing it. We, we may be experiencing it. You know, we're experiencing the unpleasantness, but we're not recognizing that it's unpleasant. Then there'll be some blind indulgence in some form of irritation, aversion, judgment, fear, something. Some form of aversion gets conditioned by 
unpleasantness. So both physical, pleasant and unpleasant, and mental, pleasant or unpleasant. So in the course of just noticing the range of phenomena that calls your attention, sometimes it's helpful to just have these labels, pleasant, unpleasant. That's it. Is this pleasant or unpleasant? And just, just to experiment with that sometime. Because often we're experiencing something unpleasant. You know, the aching in the body starts to creep in after 15 minutes or something. And we're not really noticing it. But slowly, the body's tightening and leaning away from that knee that is screeching. You know, and we haven't recognized the unpleasantness. And the aversion is in the mind and the reaction to it. So if we just recognize, oh, this is unpleasant. And often if we recognize it and just ask yourself, can I be with this? Is this tolerable? Is this, can I accept this? Almost 100% of the time, we can. But it takes awareness. You know, if you recognize it and you're aware of it, then you can. If we don't recognize it, we won't accept it. We'll, you know, aversion will push it away. Helpful? Okay. The application of this practice to everyday life situations, such as a child that doesn't want to do her homework or um, a disagreement with a spouse over staying disattached, This is the, the question of the final exam of this retreat. <laughs> how do I take this home? You know, how do I get my wife to do this? Yeah, really. And my kids, yeah. Uh, are you here for the weekend or the nine days? <laughs> or, or I should say, are you here for the duration, like nine years? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, at the end of your lifetime, we'll talk about that. No, so at the end of, the at the end of your retreat, whether it's weekend or nine days, we'll have more suggestions for uh, practical application in uh, to be expected scenarios. Uh, but let's just say for the time being that the skill and the qualities of mind that we're developing here through just sitting and walking and following the schedule and trying to recognize what's you know, and accept, oh, this is the way it is, and notice any reactivity to it, and letting go of that. All of those skills are what is needed outside of here. And this is like a mental gym. You know, we're, going, we're in the gym for, we're on a, you know, a kind of a boot camp, a mental boot camp for a week. And we're gonna train some of those mental muscles that have atrophied from lack of use. After we leave here, those muscles are still active and they can be used in ordinary situations, not just the forced situations of sitting, walking, silence, like that. We hope. <laughs>
you know, if we knew that. <laughs> I mean, really, isn't that, isn't that amazing? You know, it's like, all right, we sit down with all full good intentions to be present. And it isn't 15 seconds later, and we're <laughs> off in la-la land. Well, if, keep looking. <laughs> and if you find the key, we have an extra seat right here. <laughs> because habits of delusion are immensely powerful. And so we get deluded. We, we lose touch with the reality of just here now. And we're off in some paradise elsewhere. I know. <laughs> That's just the problem. <laughs> we think it's better, you know, kind of in la-la land, fantasy land, and we're, we're perfectly happy to be just stuck there. Unfortunately, that's where suffering happens. You know, are you, have you got a garden? Yeah. yeah. You live on the East Coast? Yeah. You got blight in your garden? Did you plan for blight before it came? You see, no matter how well we plan, we never plan for what actually happens. Isn't that amazing? You can plant so many gardens and they all come out perfect in your mind. And then dukkha happens. The blight arrives. Quilter. Right. And so I spend a lot of time in my mind thinking of, you know, ideas and and it takes a long time for them to percolate until I know what I want to make. Yeah. I can't avoid that. I mean I, I couldn't just be present in every moment and then all of a sudden make a quilt. It, I have to think about it a long time. So then I don't want to stop that artistic kind of creative process, which is a lot of I know. Yeah. But how do you, I don't know how to make sense of that. I feel like I couldn't make my art if I didn't spend a long time just ruminating about colors and things. 
That's true. And you can do that mindfully. I know it sounds like, now wait a minute, I don't want to be paying attention to the breath and trying to think of the quilt design or any other artistic endeavor. But my experience, and we can, we can take a survey here, my experience in practicing on retreat, for example, where you're just noticing what's going on and whenever things come up, you just let go, let go, let go, let go. I find that my mind gets much more creative. It is just prolific. All the best ideas for Dharma talks and you know, all kinds of creativity, creative possibilities emerge in the mind that's not kind of tightly hanging on to anything. When the mind is loosened up and, and just all kinds of possibilities come into the mind. Solutions to problems that you've been tangled, tangled in for months can become apparent oh, when you stop focusing on it and let go, let go, let go, let go, let go, and then something original, creative, a resolution arrives in the mind and you recognize it. So I'm not saying that you can't do your quilting or any other artistic endeavor, I, but I wouldn't automatically dismiss mindfulness as being an impediment to it, or awareness as being an impediment to it. Not, it in my experience, it is definitely not. But it may take some playing with it and working with it to, to recognize that. Last question. Do I have any thoughts on dreaming at night and clearly knowing? That's the question? <clears throat> oh, probably. <laughs> but I, I would ask you one question. What is the difference between dreaming at night when, you know, you're dreaming and for the most part you're not aware that you're dreaming, there's all kinds of things happening, dramas and emotions and all kinds of stuff happening. and you know, when you wake up in the morning, you remember it, right? What's the difference between that and wandering mind when you're sitting here trying to pay attention? The mind wanders off into some fantasy. While it's happening, you don't know anything about it. You don't know that you're sitting. You don't know that you're thinking. You don't know what you're thinking about. You don't know any emotions. You don't have any reaction to it or any judgment of it until you kind of come out of your daydream and you realize, oh, I'm sitting. Oh, jeez. Oh, I've been thinking. Oh, my God. And you can remember, often you can remember everything you were just thinking about. What's the difference? Both extreme delusion, lost, just not, not, even, aware, not even aware that we're alive, don't know what's going on. Right? The mind is clearly knowing the content of the dream, the content of the wandering mind no awareness of it. We could say, I am not aware of it, but the mind knows everything that's going on. What we're trying to develop in this practice is the awareness. We're not trying to stop the mind from doing what it does. We're trying to become aware of what the mind is doing, what the body is doing, what the mind is doing, what's happening in the environment. Good luck. <laughs>
Um, today is Sunday, and we're going to start seeing those of you who are here for the, the full nine days. We're going to start seeing you in groups today, today and tomorrow. <coughs> and the people who are here just for the weekend will be seen in a group at 10.45 up in room M101 at the top of the stairs around the corner. Pardon? Pardon? I thought you were seeing the people who are leaving at noon. No, the people who are here for the weekend are meeting at 1045 upstairs with Kamala and I. And I think you can stay till as late in the day as you want, really. But since some people will probably leave soon after lunch, we'll meet with you this morning. Okay? Well, day number two. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.